And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I don't know if you know, but we have a new addition to our church family. We have a new baby. Does anyone know the name of the new baby? Oh, a few people. Can I just shout it out? Oh, it could be Jesus, but no. This is like that squirrel joke, isn't it? (laughs) We have a new baby. In our church family, a baby girl. Do you know her? Ah, thank you, Hannah. And her name is Naomi. It is Sim and Cyrielle's new baby. And Zoe, little sister. Now, Sim, when you came to announce the birth of Naomi, did you A go for telling close family and friends, or B, go for Joe, the homeless man in the centre of town? Family and friends. Yeah? Who thinks Sim should have gone for Joe? Yeah, some people. When we announced the birth of a, a new baby, 
we tell first our close family and friends. And the surprising thing in this passage is when that God announced his birth of his own son, you would have thought, well, he will go to those who are closest to him. So we might think, oh, well, who would be the closest person? Mm. Well, maybe someone who really, really, obviously is really into God. They're at church 24-7. They love it there. They're just like, yeah, God and me, we're like best friends. But in this passage, we see a surprise because God does not go to the people who are in the temple first, but rather he comes to shepherds. And when we think of the shepherds, we like to make them a little bit like us, don't we, as well? We like to imagine what they might look like, of who they might be. And we kind of make these shepherds into, oh, they were salt-of-the-earth characters, Good old shepherds, they came nice and clean, bringing a lovely little lamb. Off they went. Here you go, Jesus. Shh, everyone. They went home rejoicing over the Lord. But in actual fact, shepherds in this time were really looked down on. They were considered people to be avoided. They were thought of as unreliable thieves. And nobody wanted to hang out with the shepherds. In fact, the shepherds weren't even included in church because what they did was considered, well, a little bit, you know, maybe we'll keep them outside. So right from the beginning, God is making this amazing statement. He says, my son is for all people. Not just the ones that we might think are nice people or polite people or good people, but are for everybody, young or old, rich, poor, maybe those who've got 400 PhDs, those, maybe those that maybe didn't finish school. God is for all people because everybody, everyone matters to God. And on that note, we're going to sing of that, that notice. It wasn't a text message. It wasn't a WhatsApp. It wasn't even a video call. It wasn't a personal uh, embossed beautiful picture of the baby. But it was angels. Angels sang at the birth of Jesus. And they announced it to shepherds. So let's stand and sing together. got a couple of interesting stories. I'm going to read chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel from verse 1 to verse 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable... Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors, and he says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, obviously, everyone has had a perfect Christmas morning, and there's not been a crossword. No one has raised their voice. No one has been, uh, felt a little bit uncomfortable. But, of course, we know that in normal life, every day, things happen. We hurt each other. We upset each other. We don't mean to. We're just, uh, we're trying to be nice, but it all goes wrong or it comes out wrong. Maybe we never wanted that to happen, but it does happen. Maybe already we felt the sting of someone just getting a little bit cross with us. And it's hard, isn't it? Because every time that happens, we have to come to this place of saying sorry. Now, saying sorry is not something we do easily, I think. Some people would say it's harder to forgive yourself than others. Some people would say that. But it depends, doesn't it, on what someone's done. How easy is it to forgive? Now, when the people listening to this story were listening, they would have had no trouble, really, with God forgiving people. In fact, they were well into that, like, come to God, come to the temple, sacrifice a lamb, and then you'll be forgiven, and you can go home. But they needed to make sure that people were really sorry. And that's true of us, isn't it? We like to know, well, how sorry are you? What does that look like? Can you make it up to me in some, some way? But here in Jesus' story, we see something different. We see God seeking out those who need to say sorry to him. Those maybe who've drifted or rejected him or even abused him or been verbally unkind to him. He seeks them out. And that maybe is a little bit shocking, even to us. Jesus again shows us in this passage that he's come for all people. He's sitting with tax collectors and sinners, and once again, they're people in society that others didn't like. They didn't like the tax collectors because they thought that they were deserters, that they turned their back on their people. Rather than fighting for freedom against the Romans, they seem to be benefiting from occupation. 
If we imagine this in modern day, and you just think at the moment of the many wars that are happening, imagine those that are being invaded, and some of them choosing to benefit from that war. How would you feel as a fellow country person? The teachers of the law, the religious rule followers, looked down on these people along with all the others. They were concerned that Jesus seemed to be giving his approval of them, to be eating with them, because to eat with them is to have friendship with them. So Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the woman's search for it. They're searching for something valuable. It's not that what they're searching for is more valuable or less valuable than what they have. It is simply that it is valuable. They hunt for them, the sheep, and they hunt for the coin. And when they find it, they rejoice. Jesus finishes his first story about the sheep. And to those that are listening, he says these interesting words. And I want you to listen really carefully to these words. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, it's weird, isn't it? Because immediately in your brain, you've got an idea that there are 99 righteous persons, 99 people who are with God and in friendship with him and don't need to do anything because they're okay. God's happy with them. Now, the interesting thing here is that that cannot be the case. Because we read elsewhere that no one is righteous, not even one. Hmm. And we had Jesus with that woman. Do you remember the woman? And they were going to stone her. And Jesus said, if any of you haven't done anything wrong, you can throw a stone. And every single person went away because they knew that they had all done something wrong. So when Jesus says... Rejoicing over one sinner, the 99 that are right with God, he cannot mean that there are 99 that are right. In fact, it would indeed be a sting. It would be a bit of an insult because they knew that no one was right. Jesus is saying this one is just as important as the others. They all need God. Jesus is reminding them that these people he's sitting with are no different to them. They're loved by God, made in his image, and full of deep value. Jesus is eating and talking and loving and teaching all people because all people have chosen at some point to ignore what God says. If we worry about, well, have I done that? You only need to look at the Ten Commandments. Do not lie. 
And can anyone put their hand up and say, I've never, ever lied, not even a white lie. I have told the truth 100% to every single person my whole life without ever, ever not doing that. Of course not. All people need Jesus. The final story in these lost is the lost son. You might be familiar with it where the son goes off and he ends up, his life is a ruin and he's eating pig, eating, not eating the pigs, he's feeding the pigs and he's eating the pig food. And then he comes home. It's familiar, isn't it? He comes home and we think, yeah, he needs to come home and tell dad that he's sorry. But in that, it doesn't change the fact that his dad is waiting and watching and desperately straining to see his son because he's so desperate for him to come home. And when he comes home, he hardly even listens because he's so desperate to bring him in and feast with him and restore him into the family home as if nothing has happened. He rushes, he lifts up his skirts because they would have worn like long things in those days. And he picks it up and he dashes and he's he must be getting on a bit. And this is something no guy ever did. He was quite a man of standing and he wouldn't have run, but no, he's so desperate to get to his son that he rushes there. And in all three stories, we see this image of banquets and celebrations. And the final one, we see Jesus expand his teaching to the restoration of the son, back into the family, back into the position of son, heir, forgiven, restored, as if nothing had been lost. And today we celebrate with heaven and earth that Jesus came to seek us, to save us. Jesus has not abandoned us. He came to invite us home, home to him. And he welcomes every day of our lives, us to eat at his table, to be in relationship and friendship with him. All who come are forgiven and restored, whether we think we need forgiving or whether we think, oh, I'm not sure I do. He welcomes us. We all need him. We have all fallen short. But he restores us to his table, to his family, forgiven, children and heirs of God. We were created in his image, in his love and the way that he is. We were created to rule the earth in love and care and humility and justice and peace. And so again on Christmas Day, we get that invitation, whether it's the first or the hundredth time today, God invites you to come take a place at his table. So on Christmas Day, he asks again, come eat at my table.